Hello and welcome back to Your Words Against Mine, a competitive reading podcast between siblings. I'm your co-host, Thomas Dempsey. And I'm your co-host, Elizabeth Connor. And we've got some books to talk about this week, but we've also got stuff that's not books. Uh, Elizabeth, do you want to talk about the arch enemy of this podcast, i.e. sports? <laughs> yeah. So there's been some sports. There's been lots of sports. So I guess, God, and it seems like it happened forever ago, but I guess like number one, um, number one, the Braves won the World Series. Yeah, that was like... Uh, that was like Tuesday. Oh, Tuesday, yeah. And man, I, I get you. It was only like five days ago, but it already feels like... It feels an like an eternity. Right. It's, and it's like, it was not, it wasn't even like last month. It was this month. Mm-hmm. But I think it's because we were watching so many of the games in the lead up to it. Yeah. And uh, y'all were over this past weekend. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were watching it then. And uh, yeah, it's just sort of a protracted thing. I mean, granted, it went to game six, I want to say. Yeah, it went to so game not six. not as long as it could have been. Uh, worked out pretty well from my end just because I would have had to work during the final game if they hadn't won when they did so although that last game wasn't very dramatic if you ask me it wasn't it was like seven to nothing yeah i think that's right i think it was seven to nothing yeah um so the braves won the world the, series uh, yeah so that's super exciting and, uh, we yeah we're a sort of regional team so um, and then, were. yesterday was the Carolina football game. Yes, and that was a great game. Yeah, we were supposed it, to lose because, by 20 points. Yeah, mostly because it was so unexpected. Like, even from like a... Like, I didn't see what all the fuss was about just from a standing perspective, because I think both teams were, like, pretty similar in terms of wins and losses. But apparently there was like... I don't know, like, USC was just, like, way down and uh, were not the favored team. Yeah, so going into the game yesterday, uh, both teams, so us and Florida, we both had yeah. a 4-4 four and four record, um, but but Florida was supposed to just, like, they, they were supposed to beat us by, by 20 points. Like, that's what, oh, yeah. like, that's what the spread was. That was, like, the Vegas odds. They were saying... Florida is going to beat Carolina by 20 points. And then we, and then Carolina ended up beating them by 30 points. Yeah. And what was it? It was some new quarterback we were fielding. It was our third string quarterback. I think his last name's like Brown. Yeah. I don't think he's going to be third string for much longer. I, I, I don't think so. Yeah. Although we couldn't have had the uh, antithesis of that today in the Green Bay game. True, but the Dolphins won. Bit... Oh, that's good. Yeah. Uh, for those who don't follow, the Green Bay, uh, Aaron Rodgers had like a whole thing with uh, like getting vaccinated and um, had to sit this game out or was like prohibited from playing. So I don't know who they got to play for him, but he was not as good. Yeah. And. The, de- the defense was strong. I feel like under normal circumstances, we really could have made it, but yeah. Um, I was doing homework during the Green Bay game, so what was the score? It was 13-7. to 7. Okay, that's so not it terrible. It wasn't like a runaway. Right. And like I said, like I think the other team basically just made like, scored once uh, first quarter. Then like two field goals, second quarter, and then we're just held back for the rest of it. And then uh, I don't know, you, Green Bay just couldn't move the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm sure that all of our uh, regular listeners really appreciate all this in-depth coverage. <laughs> your uh, words was against. Was there anything else? N- yeah. It, it's maybe we should rebrand ourselves as your words against mine, a sports and competitive reading podcast. Yeah, uh, that's fair. I mean, there are various kinds of competition we can <laughs> get into. 
a, com- a competitive slash reading podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, there's been other stuff to talk about. Um, let's see. What's been keeping me from reading? Uh, I've got this guy on YouTube I follow uh, named um, Tim Rogers. Yeah. He has this video game review channel called Action Button. And mm-hmm. starting early last year, like right around the early months of quarantine, he started this uh, long-form video game review series. And uh, he's covered about six games since, but he did like four games last year, and each of those videos averaged about three hours in length. Mm-hmm. And then this year, he's done two videos. The first video went up uh, January 1st and was six hours. Mm-hmm. And then the second video went up uh, a week ago mm-hmm. and was ten hours. Oh, good lord. Yeah, and these are like fully edited, like in-depth video essays about these various games. So he goes into it, mm-hmm. but that's I've just it's the sort of thing where like you can watch it on YouTube or you can just like throw it on and listen to it like a podcast. Yeah, and I've probably listened to it to the better part of it at least like two or three times in the week since. Mm. Just like riding around. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, uh, when, speaking of watching things, I caught the new Wes Anderson at, uh, uh, movies the other day. I didn't know the there French was a Dispatch. New... Oh, wait, I did know about that. Yeah, it's actually pretty relevant, because it's a book about writing, or it's a movie about, uh, writers. Oh, okay. It's based on the, um, it's based on the New Yorker. And it's sort of an anthology film where each of the stories is an article and an issue of this sort of fictional analog for that magazine. Okay. Uh, is it like yeah, streaming yeah. on HBO Max or anything? No, I saw it in theaters. I, didn't... Uh, I don't think it's streaming anywhere yet, but I can't imagine it'd be all that long. Okay. Waiting for it. Well, you know, because like, uh, rough... like a lot of... Um... You know, a lot of movies now, like, yeah, they're coming out in theaters, but they're also coming out on streaming services, and they'll stay there for... I feel like a big push for that, especially, is, like, what you hear about most is what Warner Brothers is doing. Yeah. Because they've, they committed to the whole, uh, in theaters and on streaming thing, where, but, um, I'm not sure how long they're going to be able to keep that up. Mm Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's not every company's sort of go-to. But yeah, the I was I will say though with um especially with Wes Anderson films it's kind of rough because I guess they release DVDs like in a fairly expedient manner. But anyone who knows me knows I gotta wait for that Criterion edition, and those are a good like two to three years mm-hmm. out from their original release. Right. Right. So it's gonna be a minute for that. But, uh, no, it's a good movie. I definitely recommend it. Especially if it does come to streaming at some point. Uh, what you been up to? Uh, we came up and we saw y'all this weekend, last weekend. Um, that was fun. Y'all got to see Andrew and for like the first time in forever. Sure. Um... And, I mean, it's pretty much been, like, work, and the lead-up to Halloween, work was crazy. The week after Halloween, work was crazy. Partially because, like, Halloween was Sunday. We came back to school on Monday. The kids are jacked up on sugar, because that's all they've been eating. And then, my district had an e-learning day on Tuesday, because it was election Uh day, and some of the schools were being used as polling places. Right. So basically, we didn't have to. We had like we had school, but we didn't have school uh, on Tuesday, yeah. and then we had to go back to school on Wednesday. So like this week was all jacked up. Yeah. Oh well, at least you only had to work four days. Yeah, and um, oh no, wait. You say e-learning. It's not fair to say that that's not working. Yeah, because like uh, I mean, like the teachers, we do have to keep office hours on that day. Um, yeah. 
I mean, it's not like a super big commitment, but like we do have to do it. Uh, right. So there was that. And then I'm taking, then my, my teaching certificate is up for renewal. Like I, like I have to have all my stuff turned in by like June of next, you know, June, 2022. Um, so anyway, uh, I'm not going to go into like the whole process of how you get recertified, but basically like I'm taking a class to help with my recertification. And so, um, I had to do homework today. Oh, wow. You know, I did it last weekend. Like I had to read a bunch of stuff and then I had to like take a quiz and then I was like, I'm going to do, I'm going to do like my assignment or like my project when I get back home. Uh, so anyway, that's what I did today was homework. Yeah. And I tell you, I'm all for like pursuing new career paths and furthering my prospects, but the thought of having to do schoolwork again is just traumatizing. You know, I've I've been sitting here like thinking about maybe, um, you know, because basically like the only way you can get like advancement in education is you've just got to like pile on degrees. Okay. Um. So like if you I'm not I'm not saying I want to do this but I'm just saying like if you want to go from being a teacher to being an administrator you've got to have a master's for that. Yeah. If you want to go from being a teacher to being a literacy coach you've got to have a master's for that. Okay. Um so basically like you like the only way to get any kind of advancement is to just further your education. So I've been sitting around like kind of debating about, you know, do I want to get another master's degree? Do I want to, like, just commit and, like, do a Ph.D. program, but, like, you know, do it part-time or something um, so I'm not, like, super stressed out between schoolwork and actual work? Um, and I don't know because, like, the other – because, like, today I'm sitting here going, do you remember how stressed out you were when you started your master's program because you had to get back into the routine of, like, doing homework? Yeah. And that is a much bigger commitment than I realized when I was like, you know, in school and that was all I was doing and all I had oh, done yeah. for 17, 18 years. Right. Whew. Well, speaking of homework, you want to talk about what we've been reading? Yeah, let's talk about books. Yeah, all right. Uh, I'm going to knock out mine. Before we get into the main event of this episode, I've read, uh, say it with me now, two books in the intervening weeks. <laughs> and I've uh, got one that I really enjoyed, one that I could pretty much take or leave. Okay. And it comes with a, uh, I guess, caveat or, um, I don't know, basically just... Uh, an update on something that I mentioned. Uh, as you know, last week or last episode, I talked about this book I read, Embassy Town. Yeah. By um, actually, it might not have been. It might have been the week before the episode before last. It was Embassy Town by China Mayville, and I talked about really enjoying that one, and I do really like it. But uh, in the wake of that episode, I've come to learn that the author has had some. Um, substantiated uh harassment and um like emotional abuse claims levied against him mm -hmm. so if that that's probably going to be like a deal breaker for a lot of people and certainly uh if you don't want to seek him out or if you want to like try and find his books through more mediated means via i don't know used or if you can find it at a library, what have you. It's just something worth keeping in mind if you're going to be uh, looking into his work. Oh, okay. Question. But, uh, yes. And, and and we don't have to get too deep into this just because of time. Um, but I remember, you know, I just, I remember like several years ago. And when I say several years ago, I'm talking like five, seven years ago. Um, just, you know, okay. it, it just was kind of like a whole bunch of celebrities were just like really problematic. Um, whether it was about, you know, harassment and, or if it was about, um, like the Me Too movement or if it was about, uh, 
insensitive things being put on social media that have resurfaced, like stuff like that. And, and I remember watching, it was, it was, I can't remember if it was the view or if it was just a show like the view. Um, but Mm -hmm. the, the, the discussion at the table was, is it possible to separate the person from the artwork that they produce? And if it is, do, should we as consumers do that? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something you got to uh, keep in mind and sort of take on a case-by-case basis. It's actually going to be relevant to another thing I read uh, going forward. But for the moment, uh, I think that's all you can really say is just to like consider, I guess, your own perspective and the perspectives of others. Mm-hmm. And um, like certainly if you've got... Like, uh, uh, depending on, like, people's relationships to work and the people they know. Yeah. Uh, it's just something to be mindful of. Okay. Well, what do you think? See, I don't, I don't know, because I don't really, I don't know that I've ever, um, been confronted with that issue in terms of the media that I produce, uh, like in terms of consume, books, and, you mean? Yeah, in terms of yeah, in terms of the media that I consume, the only I know the biggest example of it is that I that I have been confronted um, is like when it comes to you know YouTubers or social media celebrities. Um, sure. You know, like for example, Jeffrey Star. Jeffrey Star has been very problematic over the last yeah. four years. I feel like for a good while there, that was an especially common like thing just by virtue of the fact that a lot of these like upcoming social media stars and influencers mm-hmm. they don't have like a barrier between what they think and who they are and what people are exposed to necessarily right feel uh, they don't have like pr departments working for them so a lot of that gets out uh like much more accessibly Right. And I feel like a lot of what you've been seeing in recent years is that, I guess, with the proliferation of social media and online access to various people, that that sort of uh, thing is sort of filtering up, I guess, Mm -hmm. the celebrity ladder. Yeah. So, like, in the case of Jeffree Star, like... You know, he's come out, he's apologized multiple times. He, I, I, I feel like he has done what he can do to try to move on from his past or from his past mistakes. Do I still mm. purchase his makeup? Yeah, because it's good. Um, okay. And I don't know, maybe that's just a per. maybe that's just, you know, whatever your personal decision is. Right. So anyway, thanks for going with me on that tangent. Okay, well, no, it's fine. It's uh, worth talking about. So, uh, yeah. So anyway, I was uh, talking about the China Melville. So I had started reading another one of his books that I recently finished, and this one was a bit le- uh, harder to recommend, just by virtue of sort of not being all that. It mm-hmm. was called uh, a, The City in the City. It's a detective story set in like... It's set in sort of a vaguely Russian-sounding sort of place. Like, Okay, so the high concept of the story is there's a murder. Mm-hmm. And there's this uh, detective in this fictional city who's tasked with tracking down the murderer and what have you. And... They start to suspect that the murder, came, the murderer or the murder itself took place in an adjacent city. And the concept of the book is that the city that this detective lives in and the adjacent city are topographically in the same place. So, like, there's these two cities that lay on top of each other and seemingly... How people deal with that fact is there's just parts of the world 
that they don't look at. So, like, people have, like, a way of dressing, a way of behaving, and anyone they see or encounter who is not behaving that way, they don't see. And, uh... Okay. That's sort of the high concept of the book, is that this detective is tasked with investigating this murder that happened like in between the two cities so he's having to travel between one and the other and shift his his perspectives accordingly and uh it's sounds heady and it seems like conceptually in line with some of what he was doing in embassy town but Mm -hmm. i feel like with where with embassy town where a lot of the ideas he were exploring were tied up in a lot of these like familiar nuances of language and uh the conception of language i feel like there's not as much uh room to play in a story that's based pretty much just on the concept of how we relate to physical space Uh uh-huh certainly i don't think that the book itself does all that much with it so it's really just left to stand on its own as like a murder mystery and it has some interesting aspects to it. Certainly the last, like, 60 pages or so went by fairly quickly, but that's largely by virtue of just... It, it's the sort of plotting that I encounter on occasion that's just, like, getting it over with okay. storytelling. Where, like, it'll be telling the story for a uh, period of time, and it may be, like, fleshing out or developing certain threads or ideas... But at a certain point, you just get the sense that the book or the writer or whoever is just like, all right, let's wrap this up. Yeah. So that uh, was sort of a mark against it in my book. So The City in the City, I gave it like three out of five on Goodreads. I thought it was still like well written, so I wouldn't like fault anybody for enjoying it. But it's not really the sort of thing that's going to stand out in my memory, I don't think. Mm-hmm. But uh, the other book I certainly enjoyed a lot more, and this is sort of a throwback for me. It's the kind of book I used to read a lot more of that I've sort of fallen off of. It's a uh, collection of journalism by this author named uh, Jessica Hopper. Mm-hmm. And she's a music critic, and the title of the book is The First Collection of Criticism by a Fem- Living Female Rock Critic. And it was originally published in 2015... I picked up the recent paperback edition that came out last year that had a few, like, additional articles and stuff in it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, basically Jessica Hopper's been working in, like, music journalism for, like, over the last 20 years and more. And you just get a sampling of various works that she's done in that time, interviews, uh, sort of oral histories. And uh, it's highly focused through, like, a feminist lens. Yeah. So you get a look at a lot of, uh, like, female rock groups. You um, There's this one really interesting, like, history on the uh, female editorial board of uh, Rolling Stone. Mm-hmm. And, um, st- and other stories like that. So it's a very compelling sort of like perspective and a lot of the writings are like really engaging the book itself is pretty thick but i managed to plow through it in a fair span of time okay uh, and one another article in there that stood out and sort of that i was alluding to earlier was one that she wrote about it was an interview with the lead investigator of the uh uh i forget which guy it was who did I believe I can fly? Oh God, I don't know. Who did that? Yeah, but you know who, what the, what the dude's deal is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's an interview she conducted with the lead investigator, uh, the lead, uh, yeah, like journalistic investigator for that whole story. Uh huh. And um, them just talking about that, like whole th- case and people's relationship with it and one thing that they bring up is that uh as far as like people's relationship to the music goes and a lot of people like 
equating it to like various rock stars who have had like similar uh crimes mm-hmm. in their past and that they've been engaged in basically what the person she was interviewing came about to was the fact that in this case it's very much in terms of like the even the concept of separating the artist from the art it was an artist who made art about so it's kind of unavoidable even from an ideological uh engagement standpoint so with regards to like artists producing work that we want to engage with the guy's name is r kelly by the way okay i can't that, believe that i didn't I, I can't believe I, always, I didn't know that i always get him confused with sean puffy combs uh-huh because i don't know why i just uh i think it's just they were both sort of like at maybe at their peak at around the same time yeah i feel like i might have at one point thought they were the same person it's mm-hmm. like with regards to like how uh, stage names work. Yeah. But uh, at any rate, uh, so that was just like that was an article that sort of stood out, and uh, the whole book itself is worth checking out. So once again, that was let me look up the title again. Uh, that was called. Uh, the first collection of criticism by a living female rock critic, revised and expanded edition by Jessica Hopper. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so that's uh, what I've been up to. And uh, I think we're going to take a break in a minute. And when we get back, Elizabeth is going to tell us what she's been up to. Yep. All right. So we'll see you in a minute. And thank you for coming back. This is your Words Against Mine, a competitive reading podcast between siblings. And when we left before the break, Thomas had just finished uh, telling us what he had been reading. And now it's my turn, I guess. All right. All right. So um, not including the two books that I needed to read for my challenge, I read one, two, three, four, five, six, seven books, I think. Okay, so you read a total of nine? Yeah, so I read a total of nine. Um, so uh, the first five that I read are all part of the same series, um, and they were very, very short. Okay. Um, so they are part of the Shifter Mail Order Bride Agency. And I think I may have talked about the first book on the last episode, and so I have read the subsequent five so I've read all six books now in the series. Okay. And so basically all the books, uh, there is a mail order bride service that is like, yes, there is an algorithm involved, but there's also magic involved. And the website uh, is marketed to shifters only. So like the first book is about a dragon shifter. The second book is about a bear shifter and there's a, anyway, and it, there's just all different kinds of shifters. Um, sure. So to, so to be honest, the series was pretty solid for okay. the first three books. Okay. All right. The first and three then... books were very much set up. Um, you know, all of the male characters are friends and, and that, is, and like you still interact with, you know, the previous couples and things like that. So the first three books very much followed, you know, the typical romance series formula. Okay. And then you get to book number four, and this is where the series kind of goes off the rails. So book number four is about a wolf shifter who was also a warlock. And he falls in love with an elf princess. Who... Who has been, like, sequestered from human society. So, like, she doesn't know what anything is. She doesn't know what a phone is. She doesn't doesn't know what airplanes are. Uh, When you first meet her, she's never seen a human before. Um, So, yeah. And I feel like in book 
I feel like in, in the fourth book, like, yes, you did still, like, interact with some characters from the previous books, but not to the extent that you had. And, and I, and I just feel, I feel like this is where the author kind of starts to cop out. Okay. Because, like, in the fourth book, like, the, this elf princess, you know, she's never, she's very naive. She's very innocent. Um, she's, she's lived a very, very sheltered life. She doesn't know what anything is, and I feel like if you were a responsible author, I feel like if you treated that character more responsibly, you would you would kind of handle that character with kid gloves a little bit. Um, that there are okay. certain that there are certain events that you would delay because of this uh, character's uh, naivete and innocence. Uh, okay. And those were not, and, and, you know, all that was thrown out the window. And then, and then like book five and six is like something complete is about something completely different. Um, like, yeah, you've met these characters kind of, I guess, but they, they're, it's a whole new storylines being introduced and you're like, what? Mixed bag, you'd say? Yeah, definitely. Definitely a mixed bag. Um. So that was five of the of the seven books that were not my challenge that I read um, was that series. And towards the end, I just I was I was like, I feel like I'm reading it out of obligation at this point. Like I've committed myself like I just need to I just need to bust through this. And get yeah, done with it. That's not that's never fun. Yeah. So. um, So anyway, that was that. Uh, and then the next book I read was a standalone romance, and it's called The Man in the Mirror by Georgia LeCare. Um, okay. LeCare, LeCare, something like that. And it's it's very much like a Beauty and the Beast retelling. Okay. Um, you know, you've got this billionaire who lives in a castle in Wales. He is in a loveless marriage with a girl he grew up with. And they have a kid together, and he was in a horrible car accident that resulted in the in his wife's father being killed, and he is horribly disfigured. Okay. Um, so then they they hire a so the wife hires a nanny, Charlotte, and she's the female protagonist, and she has had experience. Um, she's like had friendships. She's known people who have suffered from um, devastating injuries. Like, she she talks about a best friend of hers who got acid thrown on her. Ouch. Um, yeah. And, you know, and Charlotte... So Charlotte, like, has that kind of experience to draw on once she's starting to form this relationship with... Uh, his name's Brett, by the way. Um, yes. So anyway, like it's it's a good like it's a good standalone. There's a happy ending. It's real cute. There you go. Okay. The the wife the wife. I, I feel like it's also a little bit of like uh what is it Jane Eyre. Sure. Because the because the wife is a grade A witch. Ah. Uh. I mean like she's not crazy and it's like locked in the attic or anything, but like she's a witch. And okay. let's just say karma pays her a visit. Uh, okay. Um, so, and then super quickly, the last book of the seven that I read, uh, this one, this one, the book is fine, but like it threw me for a loop in terms of the timeline. So this book is called Stealing the Bride by Nadia Lee. And, um, okay. and it's about a guy and a girl. They have a one night stand. They don't exchange names. Uh like he like the guy he's like kind of obsessed with her oh his name's court like harcourt yes um like he's obsessed with her so he he gets like a guy of his to like find her and her name's pascal and she's got an identical twin who's getting married well he thinks that she is her twin so he flies to hawaii crashes the wedding kidnaps her from the ceremony which then the real Pascal has to come out and stop him from kidnapping her sister. And then the okay. adventure continues from there. Okay. But here's That's, why uh, this... Yeah, that sounds... Yes. So here's why this threw me for a loop, okay? I've mentioned on this episode um, a book that I read earlier in the series about about a couple who, like, they were together. They were together when they were teenagers 
she was in an act she was in a horrible accident got amnesia and then they find each other but like she can't remember him and he's not a hundred percent sure that she is um the the girl ivy that he fell in love with so this is all in the same universe okay this book with court and pascal in that book and it like threw me for a loop because I, I never finished reading the ivy series which was three books Okay. So then I went to go finish the Ivy series today and I have it on my phone already and I went to go read the first chapter and I don't remember anything that happened in the last book. Okay. You think you'll go back and uh, reread it? Yeah. So I've already re-downloaded the first book so that I can reread it and like get caught up. Okay. All right. So that's what I've read. All right. Well, that's all you read outside of your reading challenge, which uh, I uh, can remind our listeners of. Uh, basically, just sort of pulled a idea out of the air for Elizabeth last time. I uh, suggested that she read a pair of books that are notorious for having similar sounding names. Um, do you know what those uh, names are, Elizabeth? <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 I've, I've started reading one of them to try and, like, bone up for the conversation. But I can't remember what... I, it's the Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hugh, uh, Hardcastle. Yeah, so the first book you had me read... Or the two books. Uh, one was the Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle by Stuart Turton. And then the other one was The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Okay, so they are both seven Evelyns. They are both seven Evelyns, that's right. Yes. And uh, did you read both of them? I did. But you know okay. what? Had we, re- had we recorded last night, I wouldn't have. Uh, uh-oh. That's Trixie. So. That's fine. It's fine, though. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's uh, yeah, you pulled it out. I pulled it out, just in the nick of time. Okay. So, uh, which one do you want to talk about first? Um, I'll talk about The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, because I finished it, actually, today. Uh, okay. And I also feel like it's the it's the one that I can I have to say the least about, because there's a huge spoiler, and when I went... Because I, there's the potential for a lot of spoilers in me talking about it, and when I went back yes. to go read like the about this book, um, that did not lend itself to me giving any other information. So I was okay. just like, well, I just don't know what to talk about then because there you have it. Was that, um, yeah, was that like, was the spoiler or whatever it is prevalent in the promotional materials? No, not that I'm aware. Okay. Well, that's. Because you know, it, it often goes the other way where, like, someone will recommend a book to you and say not to read, like, the back cover or the jacket flap because, like, the plot will have certain turns that are just spilled out right there in the summary. Yeah, no, the, the, the only thing that the summary alludes to, which I guess you could kind of draw your conclusions from, um, is it talks about ha- Evelyn having a forbidden love. Okay. And that is well. I mean, all... she's got seven husbands, so there's bound to be a bit of that. So, um, and that is all it it mentions is that she has a forbidden love, and because that is all it says, I feel like I can't get into it because that's like ha- that's like what the book is about. Okay. Well, did you like it at least? I loved it. Like it's wonderful. Um, so, I mean, you know, it. I could talk about the beginning of the book. I could talk about the first couple husbands. Um, okay. So, so Evelyn Hugo was not always Evelyn Hugo, you know, like a lot of, um, like a lot of celebrities, she changed her name when she got into the biz, into the business. Uh, and she, she started, she started acting in the fifties, like the 1950s. Um, okay. So it's like a Hollywood story. Yeah. It's a Hollywood story. And so, and she, she moved from, 
when when she was she grew up in Hell's Kitchen to Cuban immigrant parents. Okay. Okay. Her mom was a doll. Like she loved her mom. Her dad was an abusive jerk who drank okay. a lot. And uh, and then so anyway, Evelyn was Evelyn Herrera, not Evelyn Hugo. Um, Evelyn's mom dies at, when she's eleven, and then she begins to develop. And she is a very shapely young woman. Um, she has, you know, she has a lot of. When she's that young, she has a lot of skewed uh, ideas as to what um, relationships and sex are. Okay. Because she doesn't have her mom there to help her through things. Um, right. And anyway, she decides that she. Her mom always talked about getting out of Hell's Kitchen. So now Evelyn is like, I'm going to get out of Hell's Kitchen. So she hears from, like, the friend of a friend that there's this guy. He's a, an electrician. He's got a job in Hollywood. She's 14. He's 22. Right. She shows up at his door, like, you know, dressed super cute. And illegal things happen. Uh-oh. It's not explicit in the book. It's not, but illegal things happen and they get married and go and and go out to Hollywood um, where she anyway, she she, you know, is trying to like she's trying to get a job. She's trying to get a studio to sign her um, and a studio and like a a producer sees her while she's while she's working because she's a waitress and he signs her to the studio. Um, Okay, she gets a couple small parts. And then she's like, I've had enough of this. I want to make the big time. She sleeps with the people she needs to sleep with. And she, and then they're like, all right, we're going to start, you know, giving you some real roles, but we've got to change. But like, you've got to change because you are obviously Hispanic and this is the 1950s America. Like that's not going to fly. Yeah. So she dyes her hair blonde and she changes her last name to Hugo, and she becomes a superstar. And, okay. And is that uh, where you want to cut it off? Or? Um, I guess. And then, well, and then the rest of the book is just about her life and relationships and the choices that she makes to protect those relationships. Um, right. I, I remember seeing this book, The Seven, Hi- the, the Seven Husbands. I remember seeing people talk about this book on TikTok and they were like, this book will destroy you and it will not destroy you. Okay. But I did, but I did cry Aww. at the end multiple times. Oh, I, I can't remember the last time a book made me cry. I would give it like a three tissue out of five. Oh, okay. I so, wasn't inconsolable. Uh... I wasn't inconsolable like I was when Dumbledore died. Oh, okay. Alrighty. Well, that's uh, the first half of your challenge. Let's start in on the second. Okay. So. Now, now this, uh, I can, I know you just said you were having trouble talking about, like, spoilers. I uh, read, like, the first six chapters of, yeah. uh, Evelyn Hardcastle. Yeah. And I have no idea where it's going. I mean, I have <laughs> ideas, but they're the kind of ideas that seem like this is either a red herring or just completely giving the game away. If okay. what I think is happening is what's happening. So, I'm not going to lie. When I started reading um, The Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle, I read like the first... I don't know, maybe six chapters, but I don't think it was, I don't think I made it that far. But I read the first few chapters and I was like, I have no idea what is going on. And like, I was so frustrated by that. Um, so I did, I, I stopped reading. I went to the, like, you know, the back of the book part um, and read what it was about. And I was like, okay, this answers my questions. Now I can read because now I know what's going on. Uh, and I haven't read the back of the book, so I don't even have that much of a frame of reference. Okay. So, to talk about this book, do you want me to talk about what's on the back of the book? 
Or do you want me to yeah, not that's talk fine. about it? Okay. You can you can just go ahead. We're getting into spoilers, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. So the seven and a half, um the seven and a half deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle, uh the book opens with a man waking up in the woods and he hears and he's he screams a name uh, and then he hears a woman screaming and he looks and he sees a woman fall to the ground and he hears a gunshot. So, and then somebody comes up behind him, tells him to start walking east and puts a compass in his pocket. That all happens in the first late chapter. Yeah. Um, and so then he starts walking to the house. He has no recollection of who he is, what he's doing there. He's got no memories at all. Um... And then as you kind of, as then as you keep reading through the book you realize that there are supernatural ish things happening. So what it is is there is this man named Aiden Bishop. That is his name, okay. Aiden Bishop. And every day or every day his consciousness wakes up in the body of a person who is staying at Blackheath which is the the estate where Evelyn Hardcastle is murdered. Okay. So every day um, he wakes up in a, his consciousness wakes up in a new body and he retains his memories from the day before. However, oh. well, I, I don't know that I can say that part, so I'm not going to say that part. Um, okay. So basically it's like a race against the clock to try to solve this murder um, or else there are consequences. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah, I definitely got the sense that there was something sort of beyond the norm at work, but I didn't want to hazard a guess. So, um, I guess, and then in like the, you know, the little blurbs that I also read, it was like, this book is like, you know, this and this and this meets Groundhog Day. Um, and it kind of is like Groundhog Day because he relives the same day over and over again. Okay. Just in a different person's body. Right. Um, yeah, I feel like, so like, yeah, I totally got the, like the Groundhog Day vibe. Like I got that. But so to me, this feels like, and you, keep in mind, I've never read an Agatha Christie novel. Uh-huh. But this book gave me Agatha, Agatha Christie vibes. I mean, I've never read Agatha Christie either, but I have like sort of dabbled in that era of mystery stories. Yeah. So, yeah. So, but um, I, get what, I, get what, I get what you mean. Yeah. So this book gave me, you know, I was like, I feel like this is something that Agatha Christie would write. If she was also into like science fiction or or sure. fantasy, maybe. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, um, it was a super good book, and and you know what? With both of these books, the Seven and a Half Deaths and the Seven Husbands, I was sitting there and I was like, I or while I was reading the Seven and a Half Deaths, I was like, this book could be a movie. It'd be a long movie, but you could make it into a movie. And then the okay. Seven Husbands. That just straight up needs to be a TV show. All right. Straight up needs yeah. to be a TV show. It needs to have like eight seasons. <laughs> and and that's what they need to do. Netflix, get on it. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I did. I enjoyed both of them very much. All righty. So that's all of our reading accounted for. You want to get into word totals? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll go first. Like I said, I read two books, uh, The City and the City by uh, China Mayville, and uh, the first collection of criticism by a living female rock critic revised and expanded by Jessica Hopper. And uh, the Mayville came in at 103,334 words. The Hopper came in at 109,179 words. Adding that to my word total, my current total is 
Alrighty. Um, so in the two weeks since our last recording, I've read a total of nine books, uh, which bring, which for the past two weeks, that would have been a word total of 588,012 words, um, which brings okay. my, which brings my total word count to 8,471,158 words. All right. I'm just going to ask, do you think you'll break 10 million by the end of the year? I do. Yeah. All right. I do I look think forward I... to look forward to seeing that. And uh, I think my comeback's right around the corner. But uh, for the moment, I think you're due another reading challenge. In fact, uh, we can talk about this, I guess. But all things considered, I think you are due your final reading challenge. Because yeah. If my calculations are correct, the next episode for discussion would be early December for you. And uh, I know we didn't want to, like, cap off the end of the year with us doing reading challenges. So it sounds like this one would be the last for you. Yeah. And the one that we discuss, or the one that you assign me next episode would be the last one for me. Yep, that's right. Okay. So, uh... In the spirit of the season, I'm going to give you what I think is a bit of an easy one. Uh, since we're coming up on uh, the holidays, on uh, Christmas time, you might recall that last year at Christmas, I gave you a couple of gifts. Mm-hmm. It was a pair of books. Do you Have you read them yet? One of them was the bookshelf book. Yes. And... What was the other one? It was it a looked... monograph on uh, the airplane over the sea. Yeah. No, I have not read either one. Well, now you got to read both. All right, cool. Merry Christmas. <laughs> so Sounds that good. is uh, your uh, Christmas-themed reading challenge, is to read two uh, Christmas-gifted books. And... Uh, those are both fairly small books, so I don't foresee any difficulties with that. But uh, look forward to hearing your uh, thoughts on them. And I look forward to giving my thoughts on them. Okay, and that pretty much does it for everything we. I think we need to talk about this week. Yep. Uh, do you want to tell our listeners where they can find us? Yeah, so you guys can find us on... Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, tick and TikTok, and literally Club app um, at Your Words Podcast. You can also find us at our website at yourwordspodcast.com. And if you would like to uh, email us a recommendation or a question, you can email us at Your Words Podcast, Your Words Podcast at gmail.com. That's right. And as always, it's been a pleasure talking to you. We thank you all for tuning in. Yes, thank you all for listening. Yes. Send us off. Bye. Goodbye.